Um, we've, we've heard a bit about joy already through the service, which is good. Um, it's always good for us to kind of come to the message already with a few sort of thoughts and um, ideas floating around in our heads. Um, but I, I want to ask to begin with, what exactly is joy? Because joy is, is not actually that straightforward to explain. What we tend to do is we tend to understand joy as just another word for happiness. But I think that they're actually very different from one another. Happiness is an important emotion, certainly one to value and to enjoy when you're happy. But God never actually intended for people to be in that emotional state of happiness all the time. And any of us who have experienced any life will recognize um, the wisdom of, of Ecclesiastes that says there's a time to weep and a time to laugh. There's a time to mourn and a time to dance. So while we enjoy happiness, we recognize that it's not something that's always going to be, um, it's not the emotion we're always going to be feeling. But joy does endure. Okay, It's not fleeting like happiness is. Joy is something different. Unlike happiness, joy is not an emotion. So if you had the task of making a joy emoji for your phone, um, it would be tricky because joy is expressed differently in different times, different life situations. You can actually have joy even amid grief. But that doesn't mean you're going to be walking around beaming and smiling and laughing. But you're still going to have joy. Joy goes deeper. It's kind of, it's more of a foundational thing. Um, and we, we can see joy, we can see evidence of joy because it plays out in people's lives as gratitude, as contentment, deep satisfaction, a sense of freedom, the ability to delight in life and abiding confidence in the goodness of God. Those are the sorts of things that we see in people and we say, that person's joyous. Would you like to experience this deep and enduring joy? <laughs> yes, you would. I hope so. Um, would you like to be joyful? Well, yeah, please be assured that you can. Um, that's, that's the good news that we hear today, is that you can experience a deep and enduring joy in your life. Like the shepherds who were shaken out of their routine lives with gospel news of great joy, this morning I'm hoping to lead us on our own sort of shepherd's journey um, to discover joy. But what we're going to do is we're going to begin where the shepherds began, with life as usual, okay? So we begin with life as usual. And let's also begin with the knowledge that the world often has a woeful shortage of joy and a surplus of fear, of worry, and of discouragement. So much so that many people hardly believe anymore in the possibility of a truly joy-filled life. I want to mention just two ways that joylessness creeps into our lives. And the first one is through routine, okay? Now, routines can be perfectly healthy and, and they're actually very helpful ways that we order our lives and that we communicate with others. 
But when routine behavior becomes our main coping device, it can make us rigid and it can actually deaden us to joy. So what happens is fear, fear of, of different experiences in our lives, just whatever, whatever fears we may have, they keep us clinging to what's familiar, okay? So we often use routine ways of talking, routine ways of thinking, and routine ways of acting to avoid interactions that would otherwise stretch us a little bit, okay? Our routines can be as simple as the way we start the day or um, how we have a conversation with people, or they can be as complex as the way we think about politics or how we relate to the church or our approach to responding to conflict in our life. Routines are predictable and they're repeatable and they hold no surprises. So routine brings us a sense of familiarity and that kind of alleviates our fears. Comments such as, this is the way we do things here, or, oh, it's always been this way. Those sorts of comments point to a life that's perhaps bogged down in routine. Jesus encountered such routine behavior in in the form of legalism. Um, There's a great example in John where Jesus heals a man who is born blind. Okay, So he spent his whole life being blind and Jesus heals him. But these Pharisees, their response shows a complete blindness to the joy of the occasion. All they say is, hey, this man cannot be from God, Jesus, because he doesn't keep the Sabbath. So for them, the rules and the routines of life cut them off from actually being able to to recognize joy. Another way that joylessness creeps in um, is almost opposite to routine. Um, Sometimes fear can also make us rootless wanderers um, who go from one place to another without direction or goal. Burdened by the cares of life, we just sort of run away. We lash out. We chase after self-destructive things. We run here and there in a panic due to fears that have become too great for us to face. And without a sense of home, we lose touch with any sense of direction. Without a strong sense of home, uh, where you belong and who you are, it's hard to launch out into the new with any confidence um, and with any sense of anticipation. So many young people, young men and women that that I meet in this place have often lost um, their motivation to develop their minds and and their hearts and have little sense of, of home. And sometimes the most that we can do is just to be present with them and to, to simply stand in loving awe at Jesus who came to carry such fears to the cross and beyond. So can you see how joylessness, it creeps in. It creeps into everybody's lives because of the fear that we, that we face, um, the, the, the different ex- experiences of our lives, um, those things, they take joy away from us. And that's the sort of stuff that a joyless state can look like and can lead to. There are many um, potentially good things which then hold out false promises of joy. So, you know, parties, happy hour, holidays, 
um, you know, entertainment, all sorts of different things. Um, more often, those things, which can be really good, um, can can really just create a distraction for us um, for a few hours. But in the long term, they they don't actually leave us feeling joyous. They they in fact can make us feel further disillusioned. And sadly, Christmas, the one one of the key celebrations that point us towards real and lasting joy, often often even Christmas gets bogged down in that same sort of superficial chasing after happiness. So we get to this point where we say, oh, where's real joy? You know, where is it? Can I, can I find it? Um, and this is, this is the, um, the place where we find perhaps the, the shepherds on that, on that night as they stood under the stars, um, as they looked after their sheep, life as usual. C.S. Lewis... He, um, he's a, a famous writer. Um, he wrote children's books as well as um, many, many Christian um, books as well. And he speaks of joy not as an already satisfied contentment, okay? So not as something that you've already received, but as a bittersweet longing for the fullness of life. And in his book called Surprised by Joy, um, he he talks about moments in his life where he's had a glimpse of, of beauty or of the miracle of life, um, which has actually just led to a yearning, a, a yearning for more life. You know, that sense of there's got to be more to life than this. Um, so C.S. Lewis, he, he says that, that joy is actually these sort of yearnings, these pangs, um, which happen in the middle of ordinary life and like, kind of like the shepherd's angelic interruption, they point us towards God. So we might not be seeing angels, but we all have those moments where it's like, oh, there's got to be more to life than this, or that's so beautiful. Um, and it sort of jolts you out of your life as usual existence. Um, do you relate to that, that idea, C.S. Lewis's idea of, of joy? Um, have, you, have you had those kind of bittersweet moments that give us kind of a taste of joy or give us a joy jolt, you could say. Um, it reminds me, um, yeah, of, of, that, of the shepherd's experience um, in their, their angel visit. When we pay attention to that pull of joy, when we allow that ache for the fullness of life to push us deeper into relationship with God, then we pursue him more deeply and we allow that longing for him to become kind of hotter, like a, a fire in our heart that warms up. So I guess the question that we need to ask at this point in our journey is, are we open to the new? Are we alert to the angelic intrusions on our, on our lives, just as the shepherds were? These, these moments of joy that can move us from rigid and fixed lives or away from a despairing rootlessness? Are we, are we open to those pangs of joy that nudge us into readiness to step out into untried things, to take a risk and to allow God to lead us into doing something differently or seeing a situation in a new light? So when the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds all kind of huddled together 
and they decided, let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that's happened, which the Lord has told us about. So, see, they, they get the, they have the experience and they respond. They respond by saying, let's do this. Let's act on this. Let's not just let that pang of joy go. Let's, um, let's actually embrace this. And what we find is that joy breaks into our lives from God. Okay? Joy is, is a gift from God. Um, so if we're looking for joy, we need to look towards God. Um, it, it comes from a divine source because God is joyful um, far more than any human being ever was. Pure joy is God's nature and character. And we see proof of that everywhere in God's creation. When we go outside, we see birds singing, animals playing, flowers blooming, brooks bubbling, the sun's shining. I think many people would, would feel better if they would just spend some more time outside. Um, God richly gives us all we need for our enjoyment, says 1 Timothy 6 verse 17. It's tragic that many people, when they think of God, they, they, they see a somber and stern figure rather than a joyful one. I wonder if that's largely due to some Christians who seem to avoid joy, um, who seem to think that pious people should instead be solemn and austere. Um, do we subconsciously think that expressing joy is, is frivolous and irrelevant and, you know, you just need to follow the rules and be good? Well, I, I think today we need to shake that out of us because actually joy is, our, is one key way that we can worship a joyful God. Meanwhile, God is, in, is enjoying his creation and especially he is delighting in the anticipation of drawing us into a joyful relationship with him. Uh, Archbishop Desmond Tutu of, of South Africa, um, he, he's a wonderfully joyous person. If you ever, I, I encourage you to go home, look him up on YouTube and you'll just enjoy listening to him talk because he's, he's got, always got a a real joyousness about him. He says this, he says, we're actually quite remarkable creatures. I am created in the image of God. I'm a God carrier. It's fantastic. I have to be growing in God-likeness, in caring for the other. I know that each time I've acted compassionately, I've experienced a joy in me that I find in nothing else. When you spend time reading the Gospels, you notice that we're constantly invited into, um, into joy, into God's joy. We're invited to rejoice. Let me just um, give you a few examples. So rejoice is the angel's greeting to Mary when she's told that she will bear the child Jesus. Mary's visit to Elizabeth makes John leap for joy even in his mother's womb. In her song of praise, Mary proclaims, my spirit rejoices in God my saviour. When the angels appear to the shepherds, as we've heard this morning, um, the shepherd, he, the angel says, don't be afraid, I bring good news that will bring great joy to all people. Meanwhile, as the wise men neared Bethlehem, they saw the star and they were filled with joy. As the gospel story continues, 
and Jesus begins his ministry, John the Baptist cries out, I am filled with joy at his success. Jesus himself delights in God's ministry through him. This is what Jesus says um, in Luke. He says, uh, it says, Jesus was filled with the joy of the Holy Spirit. And he said, and this is a prayer, O Father, Lord of heaven and earth, thank you for hiding these things from those who think themselves wise and clever and for revealing them to the childlike. Yes, Father, it pleased you to do it this way. That's a, to me, that's a real prayer of joy. Jesus' life and his message brings God's joy to us. Jesus says, I have said these things to you. He says this to his disciples. I have said these things to you so that my joy may be in you. Uh, Sorry, I just lost my spot. My joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. And then he goes on to promise his disciples, you will be sorrowful, but your sorrow will turn into joy. He then goes on to say, but I will see you again and your hearts will rejoice and no one will take your joy from you. And sure enough, the disciples rejoiced at the sight of their risen Lord, forever changed by this new relationship that they had with Jesus. Wherever the disciples went, there was great joy, says Acts 8. Even amidst persecution, the early church continued to be filled with joy. So God, who is pure joy, enters into the wounds of humanity and he breaks out in newness. Um, here's, here's a few more words from Desmond Tutu. Um, and as, as we hear them, let's let them center us in this wonderful truth of God's love and joy for us. It says this, Dear child of God, speaking to you, you are loved with a love that nothing can shake, a love that loved you long before you were created, a love that will be there long after you have disappeared or everything has disappeared. And God wants you to be like God, filled with life and goodness and laughter and joy. So how are we going to respond in joy? How did the shepherds respond? Well, remember... After seeing Jesus, after going to, to, the, um, to the manger, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. And all who heard the shepherd's story were astonished. The shepherds went back to their flocks then, but they were glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen. How will we respond to this message of joy today? Um, God creates a way through for us. God says, he says to us, I'm I'm the creator and I care deeply about you. And my goodness is stronger even than death. And so receive my joy. How will your love, sorry, how will your life be a joyful response to God? I just want to close um, with five kind of responses to get you started in the practice of joy. So these are, these are some things that, um, that I, I've at least tried to, to do um, as, I, as I've ex- tried to explore joy. And, um, and I, I think they help us to, to just be able to nail down how joy might become a reality in our lives. So the first one is um, 
Well, firstly, let me just say that sometimes I think the, the fear that we experience in our life comes from, from just this fact that suffering is inevitable in our life. And so we do all we can to stay away from it. But it's good for us to recognize in our minds that how we respond to that suffering is our choice. Nothing can take away that freedom to choose our response. And so what I try and do is accept in my mind a a wider perspective where in every moment, I, I have this understanding in every moment, underneath all the ups and downs of life, there flows from God a solid current of joy. Okay, so if I'm feeling happy, then I, I, it's easier for me to see that God's goodness is just this kind of foundation underneath me. But even when I'm having those down times, for me to recognize still, God's goodness is still there and it's still flowing um, like this solid current of joy. This, this kind of joy, the world can neither give nor take away. God's goodness will carry us. And if we spend time prayerfully holding that joyous perspective in our minds, that will help us. Okay, so that's one thing you can do. The next thing is show gratitude for what um, you've been given. Accepting and celebrating God's graciousness towards us is something we can do in every aspect of our life. Um, I think joy is largely composed of gratitude. Um, Gratitude for the wonderful things God has done for us and for his precious promises for our future. How can you show gratitude towards God in your life? The next one is to maintain a sense of humor. So um, really, humor is something that brings, it brings a freedom and a lightness that comes with a certain kind of acceptance of life. Um, we're, We're not forcing life to be something other than what it is and we're able to just lighten up and and enjoy enjoy what's um what's there in front of us so you know um get a bit of a sense of humor going all right um the next one our, our fourth one is embrace community i really believe that community is the place where god completes our lives with his joy um it's it's not something you can go away and and just build up joy and then go and be this person who's radiating joy. In fact, I think joy is something really that's a gift to the community. Um, so this, this complete joy that Jesus offers us is always ours. Um, it belongs to a life together. Joy is always a movement towards a shared life, um, and it's a gift to the whole community. And lastly, if, you're, if you want to be joyous, Commit to generosity. And um, one good way to think about this is that generosity recognises that if I help others, I'm really also helping myself. Okay, so there's kind of like a wise selfishness here. Okay, if I'm joyous, uh, if I want to have joy in my life, then I'm going to be generous. And when I give of myself, I recognise that by giving... I'm actually going to receive. I'm actually going to get something back because it's going to help me grow to be more um, more like God, to be more joyous. So um, taking care of others, helping others, ultimately is the way to discover our own joy. For joy to flourish, 
we need to resist not only self-pity, but also being self-centered and self-absorbed. So there you go. There's there's five um, practices that hopefully you can you can see up there that that you can um, you can actually t- take some steps forward in joy. We're gonna um, just have our time of response now, and um, I invite you to to you know get your card out and your pencil, and um, I just want to I want you to think about those those five things. But also I've got two questions here. One's um, do you think God is joyful. How might that affect your worship? So perhaps this morning you've you've sort of gone, oh yeah, you know what? I do always think of God as a bit of a somber dude, and maybe I need to um, to kind of change that. So how might that affect you if if you did sort of shift that perspective? And lastly, how can you respond to God's gift of joy today? What new practice will you try? I'm going to leave you, um, and there'll be some music. And I invite you just to spend this time prayerfully um, deciding what, what's going to be your response. Just um, a, a word also to say that these response cards um, will get collected um, if you're willing. And uh, David and I, as the ministry team here, we, we do pray um, for you as, um, as we, we read them um, probably tomorrow. So I invite you to, um, to hand them in as well um, during our last song. Okay.